Aloha, how's it? What's good? Y'all, this is uh, Friday, the 24th of May, 2.22 p.m. in the afternoon. 2.22 means something in numerology. Look it up. I got good thoughts on my brain and on my mind, so this podcast is going to turn out well, as well as the subject at hand. So I wanted to kind of share and talk about my health. I had a, I had a, a doctor's appointment uh, this morning with the immunologist. So um, they don't know what's going on with me. And, um, you know, when things get kind of to a point in your life where you've exhausted all of your humanly resources, some people will turn to the bottle, drugs, turn to other people, and they'll turn to those things that, while they're all, well, some not good, but uh, while there's uh, some good things there, the thing that you should be doing is turning to God. And So I'm going to talk about how I got here as a 44-year-old African-American male with apparently one half of a bad lung, um, but still in great health. Crazy cell counts, low, and doctors don't know what it is. So let me go all the way back, all the way back to the beginning. This was a long time ago when I was married. When I was living out in Kansas, this was like early, the early 2000s. Um, You know, I was like everybody else. I had a funky diet, love me some ribs. I pretty much ate whatever I wanted to and whatever I saw got devoured. But I started noticing that that in my mid-30s, I started like to develop this weird, weird stuff like with my stomach. Um, I never was a fast eater. I, I never was was a person who used to sit and just eat gobs and gobs of food and just gorge. Um, you know, I always kept it pretty decent. Every now and then, you know, I might, I might uh, uh, slap a little bit of extra barbecue sauce on those ribs or put a little extra butter on that corn, you know, but... It wasn't like a consistent chronic problem, literally. So, you know, I ate at a decent healthy weight, so I thought. And along the way, I don't know what happened, but I started to, like, have issues with my stomach. And and I think a large part of it was stress. If uh, if you're like a young adult and, and you're in that... Uh, 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 time of life where everything is starting to kind of materialize and stuff um, for you, you know, you uh, you have young kids, you're just starting out on a job, you're digging into your career, you know, that kind of life and that time of life, then um, typically there's a lot of stress on you. You know, you got a lot of things that you have to sort out and figure out. You got to uh, try to create like your routines and your ruts, you know, and then you just start to live in those and then depending on you, the person, environmental factors, internal things, external things. And by internal, I mean uh, your internal health. External things is like the environment, other people, you know. All those things start coming together, depending on what your circle's like, you know. That's going to dictate the amount of stress that is, let's just say, in your area. Because you control stress, and we all know that. Nonetheless, like for me, I didn't have a lot going on. I was cool. Just checking in and 
with my family, just living life, enjoying it, working, hooping, playing basketball, just doing my damn thing. And at some point, I just was like, I, it's not that I increased the amount of food that I ate, but I just, my stomach just started acting weird. It just, it didn't like the foods I was eating sometimes. For me, I typically used to eat around 6.30, 7, 7.30. But, <laughs> but as a kid, when I lived at Grandma Dottie, that's my grandma in Newton. I used to eat just all kind of hours. Like we used to have the early practice, like basketball in high school. I would get back home about 5.36. If I didn't stop by the rec center and play some more basketball, then I would go straight home and eat. But most times I stop back at the rec center, I play basketball. And then I found myself home about 7.38, up there trying to slam something down my throat and then laying down on my uh, stomach, doing my homework, watching TV, chilling, you know. And um, and I repeated that same motion pretty much every day for years. And at some point in college, I just started having a, a weird raw stomach. Couldn't really put my finger on, on what would, you know, on what was going on, but, you know, when I would eat, I used to just eat, like, whatever the hell I wanted to eat, and, and I, you know, and I ate just a little more, obviously, because, you know, as a struggling, starving, <laughs> a struggling, starving college student, you know, uh, you didn't always get calories, and uh, you didn't know uh, when your next check was going to come, or when, or when the folks were going to send you money. You tap out like your, your meal card quick. You hit the a la carte, or maybe you had some money, and you slide off campus and go get you a Domino's pizza or two, or some Hardee's and you know, all that other trash. And uh, so you know that's the life that I lived. Used to eat McDeath a lot. Uh, you know I. Who doesn't like uh, McDeath? That's McDonald's, if you don't know. So just all that started culminating. And then I just started having these weird issues with my stomach. So I went into the campus ministries. I went to the University of St. Mary's in Leavenworth. Shout out to the Spires, my alma mater. Love y'all. And, um, and the lady was like, yeah, you know, you have some irritation in your stomach. So, so she was like, you know, you need to go on a bland diet. I was like, uh, okay, I don't know what that is. But I said, okay, cool. Um, she's like, well, it doesn't consist of adding extra sauce, seasonings, but, you know, eat food with no seasoning. I was like, hell no. But because I've always been one that was very health conscious in it, I was like, okay, cool. I do what I got to do. I didn't like it, but I did it. So while everybody else was eating, you know, greasy hamburgers, french fries, everything, hot dogs, steak, and all this other stuff. Your boy was going in the back with Marriott and getting some freshly broiled, uh, broiled, whole potatoes, steamed, fresh green beans or some type of vegetable, and a chicken breast that just, it was real juicy, but it had no flavor, nothing on it, just plain. And I ate that way for months, you know, because uh, prior to that, I had stopped off at Emporia, uh, Kansas, with my cousin. She had drove me back up, up to Leavenworth because uh, her folks lived there. And so we stopped off right there on the turnpike. And it got me a chicken nugget meal. I would always get that. I ate it. I was cool, you know. Just started feeling gnarly nasty about maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes after that. I didn't eat anything bad 
uh, uh, before the Nuggets wasn't bad, but ever since then, my stomach's just never been the same. So after all these years, going and seeing numerous doctors, you know, I um, I was looking for some type of diagnosis, you know. So a doctor out at Newton Medical Center uh, that I saw, whose name will not be mentioned, but honestly, uh, looking back, he's a quack. Um, he basically was like, yeah, you have GERD, gastroesophageal reflux disease. So it happens to people, but, you know, it can be caused by stress. It can be caused by you eating a lot of fried foods and other foods that just really upset your digestive tract and pretty much will cause you to have, which is a side effect of an acid reflux or, you know, or worse. But sometimes you don't necessarily have you know, of the acid that is prevalent, heartburn and things that you can feel. Sometimes it's silent. So I was like, okay, you know, yeah, whatever. And he made a lot of assumptions and I kept telling him, I don't eat fast, but you know, when you're young like that, he's just looking at you like, yeah, whatever. But I really didn't. So he put me on omeprazole. This crap, I mean, you know, if you don't know what that is, when you take it, it actually suppresses the acid pumps in your stomach. I was like, damn. I was like, okay. So apparently, many, many, many years later, so this was like 2005, 2006. Fast forward now to about five years ago. Five years ago, like 2019, 2018. I had already moved here to uh, Hawaii, Oahu, and I went to Castle. Shout out to Castle. Uh, medical center, really good docs over there. You know, they, yeah, they're on their stuff on the Windward side of Oahu. If you live on Oahu and you're listening and you're looking for docs and you don't mind the drive, go. It's good care. You know, I'm not saying that people on city side aren't good because they are, but you know, if you want a thorough, thorough, thorough workup um, and doctors that are going to communicate clearly to you, do that. And um, so I went to go see uh, Dr. Garvey, really cool guy one of the top gastros in the uh, state. And he basically was like, you know, son, he's like, you need to sit down. I was like, oh, hell, here we go. Whenever, whenever anyone tells you to sit down or ask you, are you sitting down? Your mind just kind of blanks out and mine just kind of blanked out. And I was like, okay, what can I do really quick to try to prepare myself for whatever's going to come out of this man's mouth? So I'm just sitting there and then he's like, okay, well, he's like, the good news is I looked through all of all your lab work. I did I did like like the lab, you know, uh, the, uh, the blood work and all that stuff. And he was like, you know, I'm looking at your levels. And he's like, I don't necessarily understand to see how you can have any type of GERD. I was like, um, come again? He's like, yeah. He's like, I know you probably wasn't expecting me to say that. I was like, no. I was trying to brace myself for bad news. He was like, yeah. He's like, but no. He's like, you're rare. And I was like, yeah, I hear that a lot. But he's like, no, it's like, you know, it looks like you eat well, but you just don't eat enough to, like, get enough nutrients and vitamins from the food that you eat. At that time, I was a self-proclaimed vegan because prior to that, living on the mainland, I used to eat meat, fish, chicken, all that stuff. And then when I started, like, to realize, I just didn't like how it felt. You know, I just, it's like the meat would just sit in my stomach for hours on end, if not days. It just felt, I just felt like crap. And after my divorce, you know, because of my ex, I used to do the cooking. I was like, well, you know, hey, so 
with me just running around constantly. I was like, I don't have time like to sit there and make a meal and do all that prep stuff. And they didn't have any of the meal prep services that they got now. So it was kind of like, you know, you're pretty much on your own. So I turned into a microwave chef, which a lot of us men do, you know. Um, I'm not ashamed. I did what I had to do. But I tried to get stuff that was good. Like I would get vegetables, you know, that were steamed and steamed rice. So I, w I would get like a, a frozen bag of vegetables, steamed rice, whole grain bread, you know, and, s and the stuff like that. Because I was like, okay, I don't know how to transition from eating meat my whole life into being a vegan and then eventually into a vegetarian. I will say that if you're going to go to vegetarian, which is what I am now, uh, which I think is what got me into this whole situation and mess that I'm in with my health, at least half of it, be very careful. Because when you switch off from eating animal animals and, you know, like uh, uh, red meat, chicken, you know, fish, like while, while I don't necessarily like eating red meat or animal, if my health called for it, I would bring myself to do it. Uh, but, you know, there are some animal fats that are really good that, that the human body needs for the development of some of the cells that actually are very integral, like the white blood cell, you know. And lymphocytes and different things like that. So I mean, that matters. So you really gotta, you really gotta weigh it if you really want to do this vegetarian thing. Cringe, like you really gotta have a plan. Your boy didn't have a plan. I just was like, yo, I'm gonna be a veggie. Cause I'm on my own. There ain't no hot cooked meals. I didn't necessarily know how to cook that well. I can make Mexican food well, I, and I can make some other things. But you know, because of this new. Uh, development with my stomach, not being able to eat some things, I was like, well, <laughs> all of the, all of the salsas and the carne asada and all the good stuff, fried tacos, you know, from Acapulco, represent Newton, Dow Junior, Dow Senior, you know, I, it's like, you know, all that's, I just couldn't do it no more, no more fried tacos, no more burrito, no more ensaladas, so I was like, ah, crap, so, one thing led to another. Now I'm becoming a vegetarian by way of of, uh, of veganism. So, you know, it wasn't like an overnight thing. Like I went from eating meat almost every day of some sort to trying to eat meat every other day. So I kind of turned into a flexitarian. And then from there, once I was kind of eating less meat, then eventually at some point, then I made that switch like, okay, I just got to do this damn thing. And that damn thing had consisted of just not eating meat I went through a period of time where, you know, physiology of my body changed, how I felt just kind of changed. And, you know, I can tell that I wasn't getting the same nutrients that I was before, but, you know, I was like, hey, I mean, unless there's some cooking classes that I can take in and around my schedule, which I'm at work 8, 8.30 and I'm out of work by 6.37, a lot of things over here just don't uh, stay open that long. And then on the weekends, I had my kids, so I was like, and then on top of all that, I had to do for my kids, you know. So I made the ultimate sacrifice, I believe, you know. And I was like, well, as much as I want to eat like a king, I'm going to eat like a pauper. And I basically just scrummed together my meals, you know. Um, a lot of my meals used to, have, you know, always be based with ramen. And then around that was like some kind of vegetable or, you know, something like that. And then slowly but surely, I started like to get rid of all of like the butters and the sauces and the different things that I just couldn't tolerate no more. So after some years now, I'm gonna fast forward a little bit now, about eight years, 
you know, now I'm in this, this situation where I don't eat out much. And if I do, I normally go Subway, have an all-veggie sandwich. No dressing, no salt, pepper, chips. I keep it, you know, uh, things that have uh, light sodium because the salt, that messes with me. If it's really salty, it gets me. If it's really sugary, it gets me. If it's oniony, like anything like that, uh-uh, can't do. Anything saucy, can't do. It's like, damn, man. It's like all these changes. And the cornerstone of all this was stress. Right? I mean, I'm talking about I moved across the world in another totally different place, and I'm calling this place home, trying to get myself antiquated, fit in, adjusting to just the economy here, adjusting like to the food and the ways that it's prepared and how things taste, which is totally different uh, than on the, on the mainland. More of an Asian-infused, obviously, and, uh, and an Islander, you know, um, uh, type of palate. And, you know, like, it's like on the mainland, greasy sausage and bacon is, is uh, what it is over here. It's that Portuguese sausage and eggs, or eggs and rice, you know, maybe some taro. So it's just a different way. So I'm like, all right, you know, so I just keep doing this because, you know, hey, uh, the amount of money uh, that I used to spend on groceries, it was at a decent amount. It was within my budget. And then I had enough money that I can go and do things for my kids. So if they needed clothes or just whatever, like for school, then, hey, it was never no deal because I was always there. And daddy was always on time because whenever anything was needed, I was there. Now, they don't know, but they're going to find out now. It came at a cost, like for my health, obviously. But at the time, I didn't know that. So I'm moving, I'm grooving, I'm doing my thing. And then all of a sudden, about five years ago, the damn pandemic hit. It feels like it was five years ago. I don't know, maybe about, yeah, maybe about four. Yeah, but it was like right when the, uh, but it was like right when, right when the pandemic happened. And I was working at Hawaiian Airlines at the time, and we had had a couple of flight attendants that had uh, came down with COVID. And and those were on the trans uh, domestic flights. But then we had a number of flight attendants that came over from Asia. I think it was Japan. And they were actually in the room right next to me. No lie. And they were getting trained. And basically, some or most of them had COVID. And, was, and, and, and so literally, uh, they shut us down, sent everybody home to work. Now, a lot of us, like, we're fine. A couple of us had got it, but I wasn't one of them. So I was like, cool. So one thing led to the other, you know, and now uh, we're at home. And, and I'm working and I'm doing things. And so now, like, my whole routine is just jacked up. I'm working from home, which is cool. But my exercise, I used to go and hoop with my fellas after work. So we'd go to the church on Mondays and play. Tuesday, I go to the Y. Wednesday, I'm off. Thursday, I'm at the Y. Friday, I'm off. Saturday, we hooping. Getting it. Just getting it. On Sunday, we're resting up, and then we just repeat. And so, and I just remembered that I couldn't do that no more. The YMCA was closed. So all of the indoor places were locked. And, and you know, and folks out here in the islands was on strict quarantine. Like, we had to, like, be inside at a certain time. Now, they didn't have any troops or anything out there on every street block. It wasn't like anything like uh, with martial law. They had kind of mentioned and teased with that because, you know, we have the military here. And uh, no disrespect because, you know, to our men and women who serve our country, I love y'all. 
but some of y'all that were in Oahu at the time when the pandemic was kicking off, they just didn't care. They continued just to go all over the island. And, and so there were hot spots up along like the H3, which is the highway that goes over, over to the windward side, H1, which is where most all the bases are. And there were hot spots and people would branch out and they would come into, into the communities you know, and, and so they would go to the store. So people not necessarily are wearing masks and taking that serious, right? Got a lot of people infected. So I was like, well, damn, you know, that kind of messed up my exercise flow. So I resorted then like to running outside. So I just started like running. And the person uh, that I was with at the time, you know, wha what she used to do is uh, she used to take me up to a certain point in Lanikai. And I used to run from Lanikai all the way down almost uh, damn near uh, to Kaneohe a couple few times a week. And that was my exercise. I don't probably like a couple few miles, you know, and I used to get that in because I couldn't go hoop. I couldn't go and lift weights anymore. So and I was losing a lot of muscle mass and I didn't necessarily have any weights or anything in my home to actually help me to continue like to do that while we were trying like uh, to sift all this stuff out in the and uh, to try to get through it. So one thing led to the other, and I guess I'm running, running, running. And then I'm sitting, I'm, I'm uh, uh, sitting at the bar, not a bar uh, where you go drinking, but, but you know, but at home. And there was a bar that was kind of separating the kitchen and, and the living room. And so I used to sit up there and do and do my work. That was because you know, because the place that we had was you know uh, not that large, and I didn't really have a place like to put a full-on desk. So uh, that was my desk, and I was sitting there, and then I just started feeling like crap. I just started feeling this weird, weird, weird sense of just this rushing tiredness, and I was like, "What in the heck's going on?" And I kind of had a cough, you know, because um, I because uh, because I've had allergies. And so I always constantly just have a lot of stuff running down like the back of my neck. So I'm sitting there, graphic alert, graphic alert, graphic alert. And then I just start coughing and then I'm like, okay. And then I just have this rush of like this weirdness in my mouth. So I spit it out. It's like a whole bunch of blood. It's like, what the hell is this? Never in a million years did I ever have that happen, ever. I have played... A lot of basketball. I played with people at the pro league uh, level, all that stuff, and I would be super tired and exhausted. Never once did I ever have this. I was like, "What is this?" Naturally, I was uh, worried. So I was like, "Okay, you know what? Maybe it's just maybe it's just a one-time thing." I didn't really think anything about it. I was like, "Okay, you know what? It was nerve-wracking, but I was like, just you know, I just chill." So I'm sitting there, and then I just consistently, I just keep having the cough, and then it's continuous. It's just, it's pouring out. And not like water, but just, it's like, it was all in my chest. It's just pooling in my chest. And it's just, it's like, when I would spit some out, more would come in there. And I was like, the hell is going on? So at the time, person uh, that I was dating, I told them, I was like, you know, hey, this is what's going on. They really didn't seem that interested in helping me, even though I had helped them out uh, through a lot of their ailments, I was like, damn, okay, bet. So I was like, all right, so I made an appointment at Castle uh, to go in and to see people, and then I went to go see the ENT. The ENT had sent me to go see the pulmonologist, uh, Dr. Lowe. What up, Doc? Really good guy. And then they sent me over to see an oncologist. I'm like, well, wait a minute, hold up. 
Now, you know, I could get this whole thing with the lung, you know, but when you see blood and it's like that, naturally that's a sign of cancer. So your boy is like, just, I'm just scared as hell right now. I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. So I'm trying to keep my wits about me, but you know, as soon as, as soon as there's something that is, that is introduced that you don't understand, that you don't really know how to process, every anybody, I haven't seen one person that can take something like this cool and then just be like, okay, it's all good. It took me about an hour or two just to kind of let it all kind of sink in and soak in what I was being told. They're like, you know, we just want to check and make sure. So naturally now I'm on high alert. At this point, you know, there have been a, there have been a couple of things that had transpired, so I did have some stress in my life. And that particular person uh, that I was with, I decided to cut it off because, you know, I just, uh, I don't know, for some reason, I just had a weird vibe about her. And I was like, you know, I'm just not feeling no more. And it was like, there's just like a whole bunch of weirdness. But, you know, her and her mother and, and her friend, just like, just drama, a lot of gossiping. But, but all that was a lot of stress for me because I had to consistently deal with this stuff every day on top of the pandemic, on top of working. And, you know, and my job at that time, I was in a high profile like position at Hawaiian. So I was always busy. I was cranking every day. I didn't have time to just sit and loaf around. So we broke up and, you know, I think that if I hadn't done that, I probably would have been worse off. But, you know, I moved out, got my own uh, little place and digs and I kept seeing these doctors and then they just kept adding more specialists, more and more. The oncologist, the hematologist, I'm like, damn, immunologist, allergist. I'm like, okay, I got a damn payroll, a specialist now. And my PCP at the time, you know, um, really good doc. And she was like, you know, hey, I think that this is something that you need to look into. Don't be nervous about it. But, you know, just understand, you know, there's a lot going around. There's a lot going on. So, you know, you just, you know, like you need to get your head into the right perspective and just be ready for anything. And I said, you know, doc, I appreciate that. I really miss, I really miss you, Doxy, you know, but, uh, you know, so she went on and did other things and she kind of decided that she was going to get into another avenue of healthcare. I'm proud of her for that. And I know that she's flourishing out there. So, you know, but, but that kind of left me like, okay, I had a really good doc and now she's going off because she's doing like what's right for her and what's best for her. But I'm like, so what am I supposed to do? So naturally I just start on the only thing that I know how to do whenever there's been any type of adversity in my life and nor I've had a lot. Typically, when something happens, it hits me like a ton of bricks. I'm like, okay, damn. Don't know how to process that at first. But then I'm like, okay. And I just let it kind of marinate. From someone that used to be, I was, clinically I was clinically diagnosed with anxiety and depression when I was in high school. Used to go and talk to a shrink, all that stuff. You know, the people at Prairie View there in Newton, they're amazing people. I don't, I don't give a damn what anybody that says about Prairie View. Half of y'all probably already been there yourself. And I went there and I talked through a whole lot of these issues. And obviously my mind had to do with, with the abuse that I went through, you know, not necessarily being able like to grow up and be, and be as developed as a lot of uh, my fellow um, um, uh, classmates, you know, like they all had friendships and different things, cliques and all this, they got to go out to things. And for me, you know, like I was that oddball that had transferred in and I just didn't know what was what. So I naturally just had a whole lot of stress. And so my life was just different. Uh, my upbringing was different. 
when I was into the middle school and high school years. It just was different. And so I've carried stress ever since then. And I never dealt with it. I should have. I thought I caught myself dealing with it uh, by playing basketball, letting out my aggression naturally on the court, which I used to do that and punish people like severely for that. <laughs> um, you know, but there still was something just missing. And so it was around that time that, you know, all this food stuff was starting to happen. So now you fast forward all this stuff, all these specialists, all this. And the doctors are like, okay, well, you have exercise-induced asthma. Oh, okay. They're like, you know, um, typically we see this when, you know, when people decide to work out outside, which is what had happened, that, that originally did not. So while I used to play uh, basketball outside, right, as everyone knows, you know, you play to a certain point, and then you stop, you chill out for just a few minutes, and then you play again. You know, so it's not like a consistent just run, 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 like uh, what I had switched to. So naturally, you know, me taking in all that air, all those allergens, triggered something in my body that was dormant, that just decided that it was just going to rip and roar and turn into not just exercise-induced asthma, but eventually, as of about a month ago, finally diagnosed with asthma uncontrollable asthma at that. I don't have heavy breathing. I don't wheeze. I still run two, three miles. I can still do things. I just have a lot of phlegm that is in my chest that just kind of sits there and I just consistently can feel it. But then the doctors had decided that they're going to put a little camera down, down in my lungs and take a look-see and see what in the hell is going on, right? So they did that and then they said, oh, you have some scarring on your lower right lung. And they show me like the picture on the CT scan and they show me like uh, the scope pictures, amazing. The human body is amazing. That's another podcast, but just amazing. My left lung, clear as day, nothing in there. My right lung at the top, clear. The bottom right, cloudy as hell, cloudy. So then they're like, well, you know, so, so then uh, they did CT scans, which is like a routine now. I do a lot of blood work, I do CT scans whenever I have flare ups. And they're like, yeah, you have bronchiostasis. And that's basically scarring of the lungs. And I was like, oh, it's not reversible. Like, well, how did it happen? They're like, with you, we don't know. And so they kept asking me, do you smoke? Do you smoke? I said, no, I don't smoke, never smoke. I used to live around people that used to smoke, but I never smoke. And they're like, ah. So they're thinking that the secondhand smoke that I would inhale as a youngster. That's that's like one part of it. Um, they're thinking that maybe at one point I had some type of pneumonia or something, a walking pneumonia, and I didn't know I didn't get no diagnosis. I healed on my own, which I don't think you can heal from walking a pneumonia like without actually getting treated, but nonetheless, they're scarring. And so the long and short of it basically now is in addition now to this asthma, di which at this point I'm happy like to say for the last month and a half, no more of the bleeding episodes, thank God, you know, where you just cough and then when the blood comes up, you just feel tired. Like you just don't want to do nothing. You're not hungry, obviously, because, you know, the taste in your mouth is like yucky gross. Uh, but, you know, like for me, because I have this next level to me, I'm like, well, while this sucks, 
you know, I got a job to do. I got kids to raise. I got things I got to do. So I just keep it moving. That's the, you know, and that's the thing that I love about me, but that's the thing that I hate about me is that I keep going. There's not an off switch sometimes. Sometimes there needs to be an off switch to recharge those batteries. So what happens is now, you know, they start to treat me like for this. They go in and look at the camera and then they're like, okay, they put me on antibiotics. But then I have these flare ups if it's really bad and it calls for it, if I get fever or whatever. And then the other time it's just I got to manage the symptoms. I'm like, damn, how did I go from being one healthy ass person not having one good lung and one lung that looks like it just got beat the hell up like with a meat mallet or something? It's like, the hell? But uh, again, you know, that's happens i could be mad at everyone that was around me smoking but what's that gonna do man you know it's it's not it's just not gonna do anything and so then at the same time that this is happening doctors start noticing that my cell levels are kind of going down low my red blood cells my white blood cells so uh, my dad uh, shout out to big guy you know he's going through his little uh, his little treatments like for cancer and, and everything he's doing a good ass job on it I got you, Pops, you know. Um, so he had one scare, and then he got through it, and then he was in remission, and now they think that it's coming back. So, you know, so uh, naturally, like, the doctors, the first thing that they do is they test me, and they look for those markers. They're like, no, you don't got those markers. You don't have any cancer markers. And they're like, that's a good thing. So we kind of breathe a good sigh of relief. We're like, but there's still a problem. Now, when all this was really at its height, which, you know, that was like the towards the end of last year and the beginning of this year where I just had constant exacerbation, which is the same thing as a flare-up. Exacerbation after exacerbation after exacerbation, just constant. No time for me to just stop breathing here. But it rained a lot here. So after some deducing, I found that, oh, the cold weather, yes, it gets cold here because there's mountains all around me. But the cold weather, the high winds, the rain, the wind chill, right? When I'm outside and I'm breathing in a lot of air, I get triggered. When I am outside with no mask, not around anybody, that'll trigger me to have all of the breathing spells. I'm like, oh, crap. So I've been conducting this experiment for the last month, almost a month and a half, close now. No matter what, hot, cold, windy, whatever, I'm going to wear a mask. And sometimes I double up. Even, when, even if I just go for a walk and I come back, no flare-ups. So... The pulmonologist uh, that I'm seeing, um, you know, you know, I told him and the nurse practitioner, you know, that, you know, hey, things look like they're slowing down. And they're like, good. They're like, you know, it looks like you're you've had some slight improvement, but, you know, the damage is always going to be there. At this point, I need to do things to prevent any further damage from happening. I was like, OK, cool. So, you know, he gave me my marching orders and basically I just need to sit and, you know, like wait. And watch. So, so the pulmonologist, the oncologist, the hematologist, right? Um, the allergist, the immunologist, my PCP. Then they added the infectious disease doctor. I was like, infectious disease. So they thought I had this thing called pseudomonas, which is like a superbug. And I kind of suspected that I did have it because. Um, when they did the little scope, they went in and, and they scooped some stuff out, and then they and then uh, they found some trace, not like a ton amount, 
but they found enough that, you know, you probably need to do something about it. And I remember that when I was with that one person, when all this stuff had started, she had a friend, and she used to go out, like, like to their house, and, and we used to hop in their uh, hot plate, like, from time to time. I would always uh, go and shower real quick first. But regardless, you know, there's only a couple few ways to get to the moment. One is going to be in a hospital setting, which, thank God, I, I haven't had, like, to frequent that, like, the ER when you're hooked up, like, to things. So that's not it. Um, eating certain indigenous foods, those those uh, native and, and uh, 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 foods, you know, of, uh, I think there was, like, not guava, but there was like a couple of other. I'm trying to remember, but, but in, you know, but you know, like, are there certain foods native to to the state of uh, Hawaii that potentially, if not processed properly, cooked, you know, and, and prepared, you know, you could get that. Not that. So that leaves, you know, if you're in anything like a hot tub or anything like that, where there's a shared, where you are like, uh, there's something shared, right? Potentially, you could get that. Even if you wash up, right, the bacteria, it just, it gets in you. It just, it knows. It just knows how to get in, and it's evasive. And once it gets in, it tends, like, to set up shop in your lungs or in other places where you are deficient. So, so for your boy, it decided that it was going to find its way to my lungs. And it loves mucus. It just loves to hang out in there. I know this is really gross, but I'm getting, I'm getting, I get to the point of this, but. And so, for the longest time, I didn't know what in the hell this thing was until they finally put a name to it. And they basically were like, we need to give you some antibiotics. I'm like, bet. And we need to try this route and do this and do that. I was like, cool. So the long and short of it basically is they is around about a year and a quarter ago, they put me on antibiotics, and I went through about three or four rounds of them, you know, at different times of the year. And every time that I would get on one, it was taking longer and longer to take the next route. So obviously it was working. So when I saw the pulmonologist about a month and a half ago, he was like, you know, that pseudomonas that you had, looks like you had it for a long time. He's like, he's like, because we don't see it again. You know, it's like, it's gone. He was like, you know, um, now it's not fully gone because everyone has pseudomonas. The thing about it is it just, it doesn't activate in everybody, right? So, and it's something that for people that are native to, to uh, Hawaii, right, they typically don't get it. But people that are not from here, that come here, that live here, typically because our bodies are a little different, uh, the chemical makeup, a pseudomonas loves, loves us, and it, and it just loves, like, uh, to infiltrate, and it's very evasive. So if you don't treat it when it starts to evolve and grow in you, then it could be fatal. And I didn't know that. I just was like, okay, I got to get rid of this thing. So when the doctors finally told me at the end, yeah, that was it was kind of a fatal thing. I was like, damn, thanks. And I know that they were trying to help me because they could tell that I was anxious about it. But, you know, sometimes I think doctors need to be a bit more open. They need to kind of respect their Hippocratic oath that they take. But that's another podcast. So at this point now, I'm like, okay, so now I'm just dealing with, with the bronchiectasis, asthma, you know, um, and then... Uh, my note, you know, and then other uh, low cell counts. So that's where the immunologist comes in. So now she was tapped, like, for service along with, with the hematologist, oncologist. So the woman that I saw prior for oncology and hematology, she left. Because here in Kauai, it's hard to get people to come in. 
So we typically get a lot of those. I forgot the actual term, but they're the doctors that travel. And so they typically will come and they'll stay for months, maybe three, six, nine, or 12, right? And they are helping to fill the gap because it's not really like here on the island, there's not a dedicated oncologist or hematologist. So it's taken me a couple of doctors now. And the first lady was nice. But this new guy, right, he's really cool, you know. Um, you know, he's, he's a younger guy. He's energetic, vibrant, you know. He wants to try some things. So he's had me go into several blood panels and do different things and looking at all these minerals and different things. So he's tried a couple things. Had to go do an EKG last week, another CT scan, and checking copper, zinc, magnesium, all these things, because he has a suspicion that maybe it's some type of autoimmune uh, uh, deficiency or disease, right? Um, scary in its own right. It's not, it's not like a cancer or anything like that, but it's still scary. So, and that's where I'm at now. So, but this whole time, I, I tell you all this, had to set the scene, had to set the table for you. I still continued to eat the same old way that I had been eating. That kind of quasi-vegetarian way. Not hummus and all those things, you know, and having like all, the, all of the green salads with onions, croutons, and just all that that you would normally think of a vegetarian. No, I mean, you know, yes, I do eat vegetables. I don't eat a lot of salad because my stomach can't tolerate onions and, and uh, stuff like that. So I made the decision to kind of limit my diet, which I think was the wrong decision. So I'm talking to this immunologist right now, and I'm trying to tell her this, and she's just not, not feeling it. She has a bunch of different things that she thinks it could be, so we entertain those. And so I continue like to mention this, and she's just not convinced. And so I finally tell her like today, I'm like, listen, I said I was talking to, to the new um, uh, to the new uh, hematologist, oncologist, and he was saying that, you know, depending on your diet, what you're eating, right, it could have an effect on, on uh, your cells. I mean, it's, it's obvious. It's, it's all over Google, right? I don't like to be the Google doctor, but sometimes when you feel like you're not getting the answers that you need, uh, sometimes you got to do your own research, and I would highly recommend that you do because had I continued to sit here and listen like to these people discount, discount, and tell me no, 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 probably would have had other symptoms. It probably would have went and come back, went and come back, right? And I probably would have gotten nowhere. But for me, you know, I have kids, and they're, and they're uh, still young. You know, I found the love of my life. She's amazing. She's beautiful. I've got a good job, a dutiful work family that have my back. I have my family and my small circles. They got my back. Life is good right now. My health is important to me. I want to be around. So I gotta, I gotta do what I gotta do. And for all my, and for all all of my brothers out there, and some and some of my sisters, that are afraid to go to the doctor or think that you don't need to go to the doctor because you're a man, man, that's just a bunch of BS. Y'all need to stop that crap. Because I've seen so many people, right? I used to know of a woman who, uh, whose husband, in his early fifties, he you know, and he used to ride bikes. He was he was a good cyclist. He was he was on a bike ride and just all of a sudden just one day died, just killed over. That's crazy. This was like during the pandemic. Right? He didn't seem to have that much stress. I mean he seemed to be happy. He just died. 
you know, and for as much, you know, fear and anxiety that I've had with all this stuff and continuing because, you know, I mean, we're still trying to figure out what's going on. Like they want me to do some, you know, globbing shot for the rest of my life or something to try to see if that'll help to kind of get my cell levels up to where the doctors feel like it's normal. But sometimes African-American people, other um, and other races and cultures, sometimes we're prone to having lower levels of cells and different things in our body. You know, so sometimes doctors, you know, um, while they mean well, they don't always get it right. Right. Sometimes, as the title of this of this podcast, I suggest, sometimes fear can be a lie. And not just and not just in terms of health, but you actually could really scare the hell out of yourself for no reason. Like, yeah, I believe that there's one part that you need to do what you got to do, man, to take care of yourself. Go to the doctor and stop being proud, man. That's stupid. That's dumb. You know that you ain't eating right. You know you're eating them greasy ribs. You know that you're eating that fried chicken. That's why you don't want to go. I already know. I used to do the same thing. I used to swallow it all down with a big old tall glass of red Kool-Aid with tons of sugar in it. Not to mention that little peach cobbler that was on the side. Like, come on. Yeah, your boy used to eat. I was raised by, by Southern folk, so I know how to eat. But just because of all this crap that I've had to go through, I made the conscious decision to kind of cut back and curtail my diet and what I'm doing in hopes because I can't get answers from these doctors. Right, I've been to see a naturalist, and they're great, but they're expensive in terms of recovery, which is crazy because you would think that insurance wants you to get better so that they don't have to pay you, you know, or give you things for free. So why wouldn't you go ahead and cover something that would help and allow you like like to get better? But I get it. This is America. There's an economy. People gotta make money. I get it. I ain't hating on that. But that's why, friends, like when it comes down to it, you can't necessarily allow yourself to always be afraid. You can't be afraid of the unknown and can't be afraid of fear. Right? If you don't know something, then figure it out. Yeah, you're going to open up. You're definitely going to open up Pandora's box. I promise you. But if you don't and you, quote, unquote, are living your life day to day, yeah, you do that. If that works for you, well, then you do that. Just don't. Just don't complain when your maker comes knocking and looking for you to come home. And you don't want to come home because you have a whole lot of things that you still got to do on this earth, but you chose to neglect your own care. And men, oh, we're the worst. You already know. You're probably sitting there like, come on, man. Yeah, make an appointment. Because I'm, I'm 44, and not that I really want to share this, but, you know, next year I'm supposed to start having my wellness it's crazy. I'm forty. I'm gonna be forty-five. I gotta start having wellness, colonoscopies, prostate, and all this. I'm like, Lord have mercy. I've had a lot of colonoscopies because of my stomach stuff early in my life, like when I was younger. So I know how unpleasant that is. But to have, but to have a doctor violate you. I mean, you know, all in the name of health. If that's what it takes for me to stay alive and to continue, like to live, breathe, and enjoy this gift of life that God gave me, then I'm gonna do it. I got to, right? I need to see my seeds all the way to make sure that they blossom because of my kids. 
they already are beautiful, smart, intelligent young women, but I need to make sure that they have all the pieces of this puzzle that they need because Lord knows I wasn't always uh, supplied with all of them. A lot of us wasn't. We had to figure out life on our own, right? And even our folks, they had to figure it out on their own. It was even worse for them, right? So, so for those good fathers, the things that, you know, the things that, that we know that we got to do, that's important to me. And I just can't not care about my health because that basically means if I don't care about my health, I don't care about my kids. So, yeah, every day for me, I'm not necessarily saying that I live in fear or have a lot of anxiety, but I am anxious. And there's not necessarily fear, but just there's this drive to just want to get the, you know, uh, there's this drive uh, to just get the damn answer already. And I know that these doctors are doing their best, but, you know, I've had a couple of doctors, and one of them was the, was, uh, the immunologist on today. And she just was kind of just like, you could tell that she was just kind of frustrated and throwing her hands up. I wish I could just throw my hands up and just be like, you know, I don't know what else I can do. I'm presenting you with what I can see right here, right now. Let me go and tell somebody that is not feeling good that they probably would smack the hell out of me. Now, I would never do that to anybody, but I just, you know, of the biggest anxiety I think for me is that the doctors who I have had aren't necessarily fully vested in helping me get better. They just want to try to use me as a test subject and put me on these new drugs that they, that, that they didn't kick down right from the pharmaceutical. I already know how big pharma works. I'm well aware. And I tell them I'm not necessarily looking uh, to be no test rat. I'm trying to get myself better so I don't have to come talk to you. I don't have to see you. I mean, it's not even after a year I've already blown through most of my max out of pocket. That's how many times I've been to the doctor and, and I had to go do this test, that test. I mean, it's, it's been a lot. This is probably the most expensive year health-wise that I've had ever in my life. But now that I'm identifying things, and it's been hard. And my mom was like, you know, she's like, I'm really proud of you. And I was like, why? And she was like, because most men wouldn't even do this. But you, but you, but you literally want to understand and find out and make changes. I said, yeah, why, why wouldn't I? But a lot of the times we get scared, and then we just use that quote-unquote scaredness or that fear that's a bunch of macho bravado and then uh, I don't need to go, I'm fine. Right? Keep that same energy when you're on your deathbed. Because there ain't no coming back. Right? Life's not promised to any of us. I understand that. But with the life that you've been given, we gotta do all that we can do to remain as healthy as we can. But even more importantly, we gotta remain as as like we gotta remain as unstressed relaxed as possible in a world where there's going to be something coming at us every day anxiety depression at all-time highs you know the stress is crazy nowadays we got to find ways to circumvent that not ignore it but get around it to get in front of it and then look back and then deal with it and eradicate it that means you got to find healthy ways of dealing with your with your stress when it when it comes up because when you don't deal with your stress and then you're anxious about things, then that just starts amplifying things and making it worse. I know I just went through it. But I told myself after New Year, I was like, you know, so I know that I got something that's going on. Now I got to just dig in and figure out what it is. So I do these little experiments and they suck. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm finding out more and more about the human body and that, and that yes, as we age, we do change. 
and yes, depending on what you did for the first part of your life will have a big impact on 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 uh, the current state of your body and where it's going to be uh, headed to. If you consistently party, drank beer, did drugs, all that, then chances are you're probably going to be in a little weakened state, you know, and um, you're going to be more liable, like, to having other issues and things go on, you know. If you ate a whole lot of ribs, fried chicken, all that stuff, you know, expect uh, some cholesterol issues. A lot of these things don't necessarily show up immediately. They show up over time. And some people know that. A lot of people don't. A lot of people don't care, but you should. Because along with your physical health, there's a big push for mental health. And I think for me, because my physical health has been kind of questionable, that has put my mental health in a little bit of jeopardy. I find myself getting down sometimes, getting into these ruts where I don't leave the house. Right? One, I have to kind of be bubble boy because I don't have a lot of uh, uh, protection. My immune system isn't as strong as, as other people's. Right? But it's what I got to do. I wear a mask. I'm not ashamed. I'll continue to wear a mask probably until at the end of my days because, you know, uh, for me, I need to for health reasons, definitely. So for me, I do what I got to do to take care of me. That's important to me. It is. But my overall well-being and health, you know, if I don't, if I don't try to dig in and do things right, I'm just going to turn out to just be one big ball of stress, anxiety, fear. And just continue to have complications with my health that probably could have been prevented if I would have just been a bit more proactive. You know? So uh, where do I go now? Well, I'm continuing down the track and trying to figure out why my cell counts are low. Maybe it's my eating. I'm suspecting it's my eating. Can't eat like you can't eat like a wannabe vegetarian and expect to have like really good health. It doesn't matter how many supplements and vitamins and minerals that you put into your body outside of that. The majority of of minerals and vitamins for humans come from food. So me cutting out the animal fats and the chicken that I used to eat, the fish with the omegas, all that stuff, you know, that that was attributing to my health, being able to hang in there and hold on for so many years. Right? So I actually had something ticking in me I didn't even know. But now that I know and now that I'm quote unquote up on game, understand like the playing field just a bit more, I'm able now, you know, like to really have these discussions and think about, okay, what should I really do? Because I'm not a spring chicken no more. I can't necessarily keep on messing around and pretending like I don't really care. It ain't going to happen to me. All that rhetoric that we always hear for people that are in denial. Right. So and my doctors are cool and they know that, you know, I really just genuinely want to try to understand this. But it's also it's not an instant gratification game. It's going to take some time. Things materialize over time. My hope is that I don't take so much time that then it's too late to do something about it. And they understand that. That's the balance, right? That's the trade off. But. Saying all that saying all that at the end of the day you got to tell yourself I'm going to be alright I got this and for me I lean on God heavily 
like, Lord, you know, I come to you as humbly as I know how. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how this came to be. Right? But, you know, this is something that I've had to deal with, and I'm looking for some type of resolution. If I got to deal with something, fine. So I continually, when I can, I'm pushing the issue gently, trying to find out what's going on with me. And, you know, at the end of the day, what I feel like is that, yeah, wow, a lot of people were living their best life young and early, using and abusing that body. As they get older, I mean, they're going to age quicker. And my hope is that uh, just because I wasn't out there and doing all that, that hopefully for my body that, you know, I can, I can I, I try to find that holy grail of health again and try to understand what ailments I have or maybe something that has now, like, developed, how to deal with it. I know that I will. But sometimes well, what God does is he'll send, he'll send me situations, like, here you, challenge you, see how you're going to react. There's been times I've just wanted to quit and flail. It's been hard. But I always remind myself, no, this is worth it. Because one, it's showing me how tough I am. Right? Because fear is a lie. And if I let fear conquer me and take me over, I won't live. So yes, it has happened. I've slid in and out of this, so I gotta, I have to step up and take ownership and own the fact that, you know what? This thing is messing with me right now, but it doesn't control me. I control it. You got to change your rhetoric. You got to change your message. You got to change your self-talk. That's what's going to get you out of this, friends. Nothing else is. Nothing else is. So, you know, with all that said, you know, I I continue like to pray for good health and pray and hope that, you know, I'm able to feel normal again. Now that doesn't impact me being a being being a uh, being a podcaster and hopping on here acting a fool. I'm still me. It's just the fact that I don't understand what's going on. No one can really label it. So praying that I get those answers. So asking for your prayers. Keep them out there for your boy. While while, while I'm trying to figure this out, I know everything is gonna be okay. It was really scary there at first with the whole cancer thing and all that. It was. Oh, man, that's scary. But now that we kind of have more of a hone in on, okay, we're in this area now. But I'm still not feeling great about it, right? I'm not as fearful, stressed out as I once was. And the sun is shining again in my world. The clouds are rolling by. Life is good. So I pray for you and yours that you all stay in good mental and physical health. Okay, If you're one of those that have been neglecting it, don't, fam. I'm telling you, take somebody with you for moral support. Go get checked out. It's worth it. You can live your best life and not know nothing about your body. I just don't want you to be like that gentleman that was out for a simple bike ride and couldn't complete it. I don't want that for you. For me, I want nothing but the best for you. That's for myself, and so let's do it together, you know. But, you know, uh, this particular podcast was to help and set the scene for a lot of different things uh, that are going on with me. So when I have bad days, I don't know why. But 
Filipinos' bad days are bad health days. But to me, every day is a blessing. And I'm thankful for it. And, can, and, and I will continue to be. For everything that God gives me. Because without him, I am nothing. And I know that. So hoping that as this finds itself out into the, in, you know, out into the world of the ethereal, and that the powers that that uh, be can find mercy on me and heal me, if I can get back to cutting up and just being a damn fool, the fool that I know that I am. So with that, there you have it. Fear is not a lie. Sorry, fear is a lie. I'm so sorry. Fear is a lie. Fear is a lie. God, I'm so sorry. Just face it head on. And kick the hell out of it. Because we got some living to do, y'all. So, one love is always, y'all. It's your brother. Shabbat.